This is Franz Amason with the Travel Trade Exchange Podcast. Um, this is going to be a little different interview. I ran across uh, the guest of this show, Andrew Vick, uh, in doing some research. And I'm going to ask him questions that are of interest to me as I prepare for my summer sale. Uh, I'm not sure how many people will find this useful or interesting, but uh, I haven't done a podcast for quite a while. I've traveled a lot, but I haven't taken the time to do a podcast, and I haven't received much feedback from listeners. Uh, so I'm hoping that we will get some listeners to start uh, adding some stories to this website uh, or asking me to do some interviews with them. So with that, let's get started. This is Franz Amos, and I'm talking to Andrew Vick. Andrew Vick, I came across when I was doing some research for my upcoming trip to Croatia this summer, where I plan on sailing from Croatia back to Turkey. And I planned on going down through Montenegro and Albania. So when I was doing some Google searches, I came across Andrew's blog, as well as his uh, YouTube videos that he put out. So, so Andrew, thanks for joining me and agreeing to let me pick your brain for a while. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, Andrew, you, are, you live in San Francisco, right? Yes, I do. Okay, how did you end up sailing over in Croatia? Give me your story. Uh, the story, I don't know, I guess I kind of got into sailing around here. We have, we have a pretty good sailing area here in San Francisco, good winds in the summer, so uh, but we, don't, we can't go very far. So then, you know, reading around, it seemed like the Mediterranean was the place to sail, and uh, I ended up hopping on this kind of floating youth hostel uh, back in 2002, stayed on it for six weeks sailing around, and then uh, kept wondering, how can I get back to the Med? And... and and explore more on my own terms. And, uh, you know, I was reading this, uh, local magazine we have out here called Latitude 38. And, uh, they mentioned this, uh, there was a distress sale, a, uh, I guess a husband, there was a couple sailing around, the husband passed away and uh, the wife sold her Islander 36 quite cheap. So I picked it up and, uh, I've been sailing now four summers over there and just been having a blast. Now, did you pick up the boat in Europe then? I bought it in, uh, it was laying in Pisa when I bought it, in Italy, west coast of Italy. And uh, yes, I bought it, very stupidly bought it sight unseen, which is not the recommended way to do it. And uh, I should probably, had I seen the boat, I probably wouldn't have bought it. But, uh, but it worked out really well. I've always thought the West Marines should buy these boats and give them away just to be able to sell uh, parts for the boats. Yeah, West Marine has gotten some money, as have a lot of, well, there's a lot of online, I guess, uh, boat part retailers now. But um, yeah, I've been spending a lot of money on parts, that's for sure. Now, I'm on your website, and it looks to me like um, you set up, a, just, sort, just like I do, you set up a route, and you get people to join you during, uh, during different parts of that route for the summer. And, um, and, and tell me how you go about that. How do you, uh, how do you choose your crew? How does it, how, you know, how do you get along? You, they seem to be a lot younger crew than I have. You're a younger person than I am. I'm, I'm 58 and I think you are, you must be in your thirties or twenties or thirties right now, right? Oh, I am, I'm a very old, uh, I'm 39. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, age is another topic, but, um, the crew I have, you know, I really only take crew that are friends and acquaintances. Um, I'm pretty lucky here in San Francisco that it's such an international community. And I have Scandinavian-born parents. So I, I just happen to have a ton of, of contacts, friends, relatives, acquaintances uh, from all over Scandinavia and quite a bit from you know Germany and other kind of Central European countries as well. So, so I, I pretty much, you know, 
I guess sometime in the winter, I put out the route and I say, who wants to come? And, uh, you know, they usually typically fly down for one week legs, you know, fly down one weekend, we sail to another spot and then they fly home again. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my approach. That's pretty much what I do. I find I can handle somebody for about a week, but after that, they're going to start getting awfully tired of me and, and I'll get tired of them as well. So I, I do pretty much the exact same thing. In fact, for this coming summer, I uh, pretty much laid out my cruise and all the all but one are already filled up. So oh, it's wow. the same way. So, so I want to pick your brain uh, about sailing in Montenegro and Albania because I'm going to be going down through those areas next summer, and uh, and I want to get the uh, want to get the lay of the land, so to speak. Well, first of all, this is something we always have to deal with. Well, <laughs> Excuse me. What were the customs formalities like uh, when you went to Montenegro? You pull into Montenegro and you have two choices. You can buy a one-week cruising permit or a one-month cruising permit. And uh, I guess the one-month one proportionally isn't that much more than the one-week one. Uh, You need your normal uh, papers. You need insurance. You need boat documentation. You need certificate of competency. um, And you need uh, and you need some money, some euros. And some patience, because they're a little bit ornery, and yeah, I don't know, you've probably noticed already in the East, they're not that fun dealing with the government officials. Some are super nice, and some are just just really nasty. Okay. When you sailed in Montenegro, where did you, uh, there's, is there, there's not really many places to anchor. You end up staying in a marina for the most part? I mean, Montenegro itself has a relatively small coastline. Um, so, I mean, you're going to be starting in Dubrovnik, so you're going to be going south. So your first stop, really, is uh, is in the Bay of Kotor, really, or this whole fjord, which is really exciting in there. There are definitely a few places to stop in there. There are... Have I anchored in there? Not too many places to anchor. It's it's a fjord, so, I mean, the, 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 the water is super deep, even close into shore, so... Um, there's a marina in Herzegnovi. There's a great marina in Kotor. Um, and they're not too, relative to Croatia. They're only about, at least for my 36-foot boat, I mean, we were paying probably about 35 euro uh, per night, which is somewhat less than, than you were paying up in Croatia. And there's also uh, there's a free spot called Perast, P-E-R-A-S-T, where you can kind of tie up right alongside a wall outside this restaurant, and it's free. And it's one of my favorite places I've ever parked, actually. I shouldn't say parked, but moored in the med so where now where is that if i'm looking at a map if i'm pulling in there where is that place because i like free free's always good so <laughs> you know as you pull into the i don't know if you're you see you're, you're out in the adriatic and there's a mouth to, that enters this big bay or actually a set of bays in montenegro i'm opening it's up nice. i'm opening up google earth as we uh, as we speak here so i'll i'll be looking at it so mm-hmm. <laughs> so go ahead keep keep going so you're pulling yeah, so you're in pulling into this fjord and kind of the um kind of the, the, the first place the first really suitable stop is, is Herzegnovi, which is kind of a cool town built on a hillside um they have a little marina or a little that's more of a key than a marina uh but you know lazy lines and docks uh, lazy lines electricity and so forth no showers um that's Herzegnovi. as you pull in further all the way into the uh fjord at kotor just inside the mouth, this really narrow mouth that leads you into the Kotor Fjord, uh, that's where the town of Perast is, right opposite the uh, the mouth. And uh, I found this really awesome spot. I've parked in it twice, um, just outside of a restaurant. Um, and yeah, you just pull up along the wall and you tie up, and uh, it's free and you're fat. It's such a beautiful spot. 
Actually, it's the cover shot of my on the 2010 website. Okay, okay. So I'm looking at here. I'm looking at this. So you're pulling in. Uh, it is. It's as you go in the main entrance to the fjord. Is it straight in or is it to the next? Do you bear off to the right and go by these other little towns? There's a town here called Cumbro and uh, Denovici and Bioski, or is it? more close to where the customs dock is in here mm, let's see well the the town paras that i'm talking about you go all the way in uh, oh okay so way in oh okay there it is so it's in the inner fjord then way in mm -hmm. there okay yeah. okay and the inner fjord that's the dramatic one that's the one that makes you think you're sailing in norway except suddenly that it's warm instead of cold because i mean you have these you know 1500 meter high mountains on each side of you and it's uh it's super dramatic just just spectacular have you been in there? Have they? Have you? I've noticed in Croatia, especially when I've been uh, south of Dubrovnik, um, the the boars seem to blow fairly heavily there in the summer. Have you had that problem in Montenegro? Did you notice that in Montenegro when you were there? Let's see. I've I've done two runs through Montenegro, and um, well, let's see. I remember one night in in Kotor. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of a bora blowing, and it's definitely definitely happy that I was tied up to some lazy lines um you know but that that was in kotor in the in the in the main town and uh again you know just 30 something euro a night that was uh that was a pretty good deal but the boar yeah i mean the in that area the boar is always something you have to think about and uh it is highly annoying and stressful at times yeah it always starts at about one in the morning and keeps you awake the rest of the night that's been my experience so mm -hmm. yep so tell me about your travels down i read your blog and uh, but this is an interview. Most of the people that are listening to this haven't read your blog. Uh, and oh, by the way, give them a heads up on what your website is and your YouTube site is right now, so they can go look at it. Uh, so my, my boat's name is Gaia, which is G E J A, and uh, so the website is sailgaia.com. Uh, as far as YouTube goes, I guess you just have to type in Sail Gaia on a YouTube search, and you'll see a bunch of my kind of highlights from from each of my legs and also kind of uh, overall summer highlights so uh as far as my travels in uh so you want to hear a little bit about montenegro then sure well i've got with... montenegro and albania are the ones i really want to learn about but i want to hear about all your stories so go on all my stories <laughs> that could that could take a while i think we got we gotta get a little more specific <laughs> but uh montenegro is awesome uh when i first entered the adriatic in 2008 my first uh you know my first adventure in the in the mediterranean on gaia anyway um you know we crossed over from italy and we hit budva now budva is an awesome it's a crazy crazy party town and it's just a supermodel parade you have all the hottest girls from ukraine serbia russia uh it's just you won't believe what you see budva is just it's just yeah just insane um a little bit expensive in the in the marina probably about 50 euro a night for my 36 footer. Um, but I think you can actually anchor off the beach, but you have to be kind of uh, open to loud music late at night because uh, their beach clubs go, go pretty late and are very loud. So I know you're doing Montenegro this year, so I would definitely budget some time. If you have any younger crew, Budva is just awesome. It's an attractive place, uh, but it's kind of a, yeah, I don't know, let's call it the Vegas of uh, Montenegro in a way. <laughs> So have you, you know, when you did a when you got when you started sailing in Europe, what what countries did you visit on that you know before you had your own boat? 
You know, back in 2002, when I was on that uh, floating youth hostel for six weeks, uh, we explored the islands of Corsica, Sardinia, and Elba, which are all kind of in the uh, Ligurian Sea, uh, you know, off the west coast of Italy. So that's what I did back in 2002. Actually, in 2004, I rejoined that same uh, sailboat uh, for a couple of weeks in Croatia, all, you know, sent all around the split region. And uh, yeah, that, that's when I discovered that Croatia was kind of the place to be in the med. Now, have you okay? So you you uh, say spend some time in. Uh, I had only spent planned on spending two or three days in Montenegro, but you're saying I should budget a little more time in Montenegro. It sounds like so. I will uh, I'll change my schedule around accordingly. Now, from Montenegro, you sailed south to Albania, and my insurance uh, a few years ago specifically excluded Albania from my cruising territory. And in fact, it said I had to keep so many miles away from Albania. So, so obviously things have changed quite a bit. And um, what was your experience in Montenegro, or excuse me, in, in Albania? Yeah, Albania, you know, that was kind of the, uh, anyone who's kind of going back to Greece uh, from, uh, you know, from the Adriatic Sea has to make a choice whether to go along the Albanian coast or go along the Italian coast. And um, yeah, I chose to do Albania. Um, I, I, had, I had a really good time, a really interesting experience. I mean, the country, I guess, was pretty much isolated itself from the rest of the world for, uh, I don't know, most of last century. And, uh, and they, they're kind of paying the price. I mean, they're, they're very, it's a very poor country. Um, very friendly people. They're very helpful. Uh, not too many tourists there. It's definitely off the beaten path. I mean, when you sail down the coast, <laughs> you don't see any other boats. I, I think in the I don't know, the five days I was transiting, you know, its coastline. I mean, I think we saw two other sailboats and hardly any other private boats at all. And hardly any fishing boats. It was kind of eerie in a way. Um, but we did an overnight sail. We left uh, Ulcin in Montenegro, and uh, that took an overnight sail to get down to, what's the bay called? Vlore, V-L-O-R-E. Vlore, yeah. Vlore, yeah. So you didn't stop any because there there's a lot of coast before you get down there. Did you have to go there to clear in? Was that where you had to go to clear in? Not really. I think, you know, I was kind of judging from the cruising guide and what they were saying. It didn't seem like there was too much to see or very hospitable places for boats in the northern half of the country. I mean, there's a big port called Duras, D-U-R-R-E-S. Um, but just from the description, it seemed like, you know, the, the country just doesn't have facilities for visiting, visiting sailboats, um, visiting boats of any, of any kind. Uh, so Duras, it sounded like you were going to pull into this really commercial harbor where there were security concerns. You had to kind of walk in the heat to kind of track down the different customs offices and things. So I kind of bypassed Duras. It just didn't sound that appealing. Um, pulled into, uh, yeah, that bay at Vlora, and I guess on one far end of the bay, some Italians have actually built a little marina. Um, so we pulled into there, and one of the nice things is that they actually arranged our customs entry for us. They uh, just typed some things on the computer and said, okay, you're, you're in Albania now. So it was so that easy then? It was that easy, yeah. I was really happy because I'd been reading others, other people's blogs, and it sounded like I had to tie off on this, you know, big commercial pier with those big, you know, tire fenders that, uh, that kind of mark up your boat and uh, climb up crazy ladders and who knows what. But these Italians, uh, yeah, they had it all set up. They said, yeah, you're in, you're good. So that was really hassle-free. <laughs> did they give you some sort of document you had to carry with you on the boat? I assume they did. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think they did somehow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and at some point they said, oh, the police might want to come down and stamp something. But then the police, uh, they said, oh, the police aren't coming after all. So <laughs> I wasn't entirely confident that, <laughs> that they did it entirely by the book. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You didn't get troubled with it by it later on. So that's good enough then. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm looking at Google Earth. That's way down south in that bay. That's uh, Orca Marina. Is that the one you're talking uh-huh. about? Exactly. Okay. That is, okay. I think that's Albania's only marina. Okay, okay. And then from there, how, how many days did you spend there in Vlori? You know, we pulled in there early one morning after the overnight sail. And it's kind of funny when you're, um, when you pull in uh, or to that bay or when, as you approach the bay and you start to zoom in on your electronic charts. And that's when you first see all the, uh, the warnings of, of mines, of old sea mines. <laughs> that are in the areas. Here you are sailing through this restricted area with sea mines, but uh, apparently the charts are a little bit out of date. And it is, they say it's safe to travel on the surface, but be careful where you put your anchor. You don't want to trigger any mines. <laughs> wow. So, All right. So from there, so you spent a couple days there. and then uh, you can... we, Well, we pulled in early one morning. Uh, okay. So we spent okay. the whole day, um, which basically meant, you know, taking the bus into the town of Laura. And it was interesting and all, but, you know, it was kind of run down, kind of, kind of funky. You know, it was very interesting to see, but, you know, we didn't see that much reason to spend more than a full day there. So, uh, so we spent the night and then got going the next morning and uh, continued down the coast. Uh, we pulled off. We had really calm weather. So we actually pulled off um, kind of open roadstead anchorage, but we, we um, found this great little beach. Beautiful beach, clear water, nobody around at all. We just dropped the anchor. We uh, swam ashore, just kind of explored around a little bit, and ended up spending that next night in, I think it's called Himare. Okay, okay. H-I-M-A-R-E. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I read your blog, I went through uh, Google Earth and put some place marks down where you mentioned, so I, I'm looking at that right now. So the little horseshoe-type bay there, and that's where you dropped your anchor? Yeah, well, there's a town, Himara, and actually a little south of that is uh, Porto Palermo, which is uh, actually even a better anchorage, a little more, a little more protected, probably. Um, but Himara actually had a town connected to it, and it was fun to go ashore there, get some dinner. Um, and that, that was fun. So we spent, you know, spent a night there, which was, which was enough. You know, you, you kind of see what there is to, you know, to see in a day. Okay, okay. So then you continued further south, and what was your next stop after that? I guess the next stop, well, the next night we ended up in the town of Saranda, which is really in the far south, although we did take a swim stop. We found a nice little beach again, probably about an hour before Saranda, where we kind of dropped the anchor in a little cove and had a swim. Ended up in Saranda, and that's, um, that's a place where it's a little more official. So I called this agent called Agim, who you'll probably see on Noonsite.com, and uh, for 40 euro, he kind of set us up with all the paperwork we needed and arranged um, a spot on the very secure kind of commercial port. Um, not, not a really industrial type port, but they had this kind of commercial key um, where we had to kind of uh, drop the anchor and back up uh, against the wall. And that was really secure, pretty much in the heart of town. And uh, that, was, that was great. We actually ended up spending two nights there, uh, rented a car on the one day, and drove around the interior a little bit. Had a great time. Beautiful places. Um, yeah, definitely recommend it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I read that and I thought, okay, I like to do that. I like to do some inland travel along the way. So that would be a good place to stop and do that. You felt safe leaving your boat there while you were there? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, it's totally gated. You have police, you have customs, you have everybody right there. So yeah, that was absolutely secure. No, no questions. And when we wanted to stay a second night, I mean, they only collected like five euro for us to stay the second night. And I think we were able to get water there and fill the water tanks. And there might have been electricity. I don't remember. We have solar panels, so we don't really you know, depend on shore power that much. Okay. What about you know the, the things skippers always look for? Fuel and food. Do you did you always do you always eat out or do you do you eat on the boat very often? You know, we'll probably eat uh, like typically breakfast and lunch. We eat on board. Um, dinners we probably eat out a little bit more often than we eat in. You know, I I find I mean I'm more you know I think in Croatian prices where for about ten euro I can get you know a, a nice beer and a whole pizza that totally fills me up. You know, the beer is good. And, uh, yeah, 10 euro, it's, it's worth it. You're out there, you're visiting, you're, you know, you're seeing the people, you know, you don't have to wash dishes. So, but it's nice uh, cooking on board too. It's nice to drop an anchor somewhere and, you know, where it's totally quiet. And then, then of course you have to cook, but that, that's also totally nice. Just sitting in the cockpit, stars above you, you know. Did great. you find, uh, did you find open air markets along the way anywhere? Pretty much, um, I mean, everywhere in Croatia and Montenegro, definitely a lot of open air markets. Uh, I don't remember what we saw in Albania. I think we ended up mostly at supermarkets, although I guess we didn't explore that much. But yeah, but those you know those local those you know what we would call in the U.S. farmers markets. I mean they're they're yeah they're, I mean they're pretty much all over the place, and it's great. You get so much nice fresh fresh veggies, super. Great, great. Well, all right. From there, you uh, you continued on down to Corfu, right? Yeah, you know, it's not that far, Saran. I mean, you can see the island of Corfu from Saranda. So it's, um, I forget how, yeah, it's a, it's a very easy day sail from Saranda down into Corfu town. And there are places to stop on the way as well. Although I guess they like it when you check in at Corfu first at the town or maybe at that marina called, uh, what's the marina just north of Corfu town? Big one. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it, though. Um... But so you can check in at the marina then. You know, I think I think yeah, so. Yeah, here let me zoom in and see what the name of that is. It's called because uh, uh, I because I've uh, I've fueled up there because that was always a good place to fuel. Uh, but I I always checked in at the main check-in dock down in the city. So coming back, if I can check in at that marina, that that'd be a lot easier to do it that way because there's a great grocery store right in the marina too. Is there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, what, what do we got? I'm, I'm looking at Google Earth at the same time, and if I can, uh, uh, Guvia, Guvia. Yeah, that's it, Guvia. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just uh, had to turn on my photographs. There we go. Guvia Marina. Okay, so that's where you. Do, so did you? Um, did you stay in Guvia? Yeah, we never stayed. In, no, uh, I guess I was just saying that Guvia does offer check-in, but we actually just went straight for Corfu Town. And actually, we were kind of bad. We didn't really check in for a couple of days, and uh, luckily, we didn't get caught. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's, sometimes you have the crew along, and it's Friday night. You're anxious to just kind of get settled and uh, you know get 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 the weekend going. So, so yeah, not yeah. too smart. But uh, now you stayed. I was when I was reading your blog. You stayed at uh, the yacht club, which is right at the base of that fortress, isn't it? Is yeah, that the one I'm thinking of? Mandraki, I think it's called, as an American might say it. Okay, you stayed there, uh, and that had a had a nice uh, 
bar, club, cafe, and uh, and then you probably stayed at the uh, the other marina on the other side of the uh, other side of town as well, right? I, I you know I had two stays, so I mean there are a few different options here. So the Mandraki Harbor, which I guess is some old ancient Venetian harbor, was uh, was really great. I mean you're just right underneath the old fort, um, and, and that was super. You can also anchor on the other side of it. That's kind of a popular anchorage. And then the other kind of yacht club is on the other side, and I it's called Noak N O A K which I think is an acronym for the Yacht Club there. And that's the one that sits right underneath a really cool club called, uh, oh, man, <laughs> too long ago to remember, Hook. I think it's called Hook. Okay, okay. Well, while you've been traveling, what is your typical your typical uh, summer travel? Is it usually about two months on the boat or three months on the boat? What are you looking for this summer? Because I, I, did you go last year or did you leave the boat on the hard last year? No, I, I've gone every, I have gone every summer for the past four summers, including 2011. Um, my first, the first trip, I was underway for about three months uh, and ended up hanging out even a month longer in Croatia, just kind of anchored off the town of Split, which you're not allowed to do anymore. Uh, I figured that was you know, kind of you know once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> Didn't really figure that I'd be doing it uh, consecutive years. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my first three years were pretty much you know between eleven, twelve, thirteen weeks underway. Uh, this most recent summer, two thousand eleven, I limited it to six weeks, just as to not disappear from responsibilities for for too long. And uh, this coming summer, two thousand twelve, I I don't know, probably another you know six or seven week trip. What do you do in the off season? Off season, uh, the, that's that's too long a story to get into. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real life, I guess. Then. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, do you have any particularly great story you want? You have uh, that when you think about your trips. Do you have one or two, you know, great memories that you you refer back to over and over again? Hmm. And yeah, there's so many amazing impressions you get over there. Uh, sometimes I think of the, uh, in terms of cruising grounds, the Aeolian Islands off the northeast tip of Sicily are just fantastic. You, you think you're in some kind of science fiction movie, you know, where, uh, you know, just these volcanoes are just sticking out of the sea and some are, you know, spewing lava and smoke and things. Uh, Venice, you know, taking the dinghy through the canals in Venice was just, just amazing. Um, what else? And a lot of it has to do with kind of the people you, you run into. I remember in 2010, I needed to replace an outboard and these, these Italians, it's always the Italians were the friendliest. I mean, they just took me around. I mean, did everything for me to, to acquire an outboard. So you also, yeah, you think a lot about the people that kind of help you out along the way. When you visited the Aeolians, cause that brings up a story that I'll tell. Um, wh where did you approach the Aeolians from? Did you come down the coast? Where did you, or you were you coming across from we did... were we were already on Sicily in a town called Cefalu, so okay. we were coming from yeah from there. Northeast so you're direction. you're coming up south, okay? I was uh, I was working my way across the Mediterranean, and I would my family had got off the boat in uh, Salerno, and that you know I uh, <coughs> excuse me I, I sailed over to Capri, spent a night in Capri, got up really early in the morning, no wind at all dead calm and I started I was by myself and I started motoring south of the Aeolian Islands because I was going to be joining my next crew was going to join me in, uh, in Porto Rosa uh, on on Sicily on the mainland Sicily 
And so I'm sa sailing down and I go all day long and it's hot and it's dead calm and uh, the night comes and, it's, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to stay awake in the cockpit and it's the boat's under autopilot and, and it's about, probably about two, two in the morning I get up and I need to, to take a whiz so I go up to the shrouds and hold on to the shrouds and while I'm taking a whiz I look forward and a red light comes on directly in front of me directly in front of me and I run back to the cockpit and I slow up and as I'm looking at this light it goes out hmm. I'm thinking wow what was that and I turn off the engine because I'm thinking well maybe I can hear something couldn't hear a thing turn the engine back on put the boat back on the course continued on about a half an hour later the exact same thing happened <laughs> and it kept happening about every half hour and it was really bizarre and it wasn't until the lights were just starting to come up in the dawn that I realized I saw what it was and it was Stromboli erupting yep. and it's been erupting for you know every half hour for the last thousand years i guess so <laughs> but i didn't know that at the time i when i found out i went down to the looked at the pilot again and says oh yeah it's still erupting so it was such a bizarre experience the world's oldest lighthouse mm -hmm. that's what they say <laughs> so when you were in the aeolians did you have good weather or bad weather um well, it was sunny and everything. It didn't rain, but uh, but a lot of wind. I mean, the wind just kind of swirls around there like crazy, and yeah. there aren't that many great places to to park. So, yeah, I had the same experience. I uh, was on Volcano, and I anchored there, and it was dead calm. And about one in the morning, the wind started blowing, and I was in a fairly shallow bay. Waves built up really fast. They were coming right at us. We were on a lee shore. And uh, so I ended up spending the night in the cockpit. We were bouncing around a lot. And the boat next to me, steel boat, I, got, I saw him get up on his deck and go up to his windlass and let some anchor line out, and, you know, which is what you, you sort of think you want to have a lot more anchor line out when it gets rough like that. Well, what he did is he let out a lot all at once. And the boat started drifting backwards, got to the end of its chain and popped it out. Mm. If it let it out slowly, he might not have had that problem. And he ended up dragging ashore and he was ashore that, you know, the next morning he had to go hire a, another boat to drag him off. Fortunately, it was a steel boat, so there wasn't really any damage to the hull, but, but that was my experience in Volcano. And then I continued to have bad weather. Every time I got went somewhere I had more and more bad weather and I kept getting blown back to Lapari. That was about the only place that had a, a decent harbor where you could uh, you could anchor. If you anchored it was still a deep anchorage, around a hundred feet deep, unless you got right up to the wall. But at least it was protected. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I just had bad weather, bad weather except for the first day when I was sailing down through there. And then after that it was windy, windy, windy. So that was my experience. Yep, sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> too. That's yeah. we ended up at least I think two, maybe even three nights there of our four nights in the, in the region. <laughs> That's where you have to go back to when there's wind and there's no other place to anchor. So, yep. well, Andrew, what what uh, what are your plans for this summer? This summer, well, haven't really figured it out, but uh, probably you know from my home base in Split or near Split, Croatia, I'm probably gonna probably gonna head south uh, into Montenegro again. Uh, instead, though, of continuing down through Albania, I'll probably, you know, shoot across to Italy and explore that coast a little bit more and then circle back to, uh, to split. So see if I can do a nice little six, seven week itinerary like that. Oh, that'll be great. Have you thought of moving on to uh, Greece and Turkey at all? I mean, through, to, to Turkey? You know, 
probably the most logical thing to do at this point, since I've kind of fully explored the Adriatic, would be to do kind of a one-way, you know, one-way summer cruise from Split to Turkey, um, you know, kind of like you're doing now. Um, yeah, I guess. Oh, what are the reasons? I'm very comfortable in Split. I have a very old, very delicate boat, and uh, the boatyard that I found in Croatia are uh, very attentive, uh, very patient, very. Uh, uh, I don't know. They know the boat. They uh, they're located right next to an international airport. Uh, it's a lot of very easy for backpackers and other independent travelers to get to Split in Croatia and other parts of Croatia. So, so I think I'm just gonna kind of stick with the comfort of uh, of that area. Um, maybe down the road once I get maybe a little more solid boat, a little more robust, maybe you know explore around a little further. But uh, yeah, for now I'm gonna gonna stick close to home, so to speak. Okay, okay. Well, I appreciate your time, Andrew, and um, I'll post this on the website, and I hope you have some friends listening to it. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely uh, send me, uh, yeah, let me know the link to it. And uh, I definitely want to hear more about uh, how your summer is going, and I'm going to refresh a little bit, see what dates you're, you're going to be there. But Well, that was my interview with Andrew Vick. I appreciate your time, and I hope uh, you tell your friends about this podcast. And I hope at some point in time some listeners will call in or send me an email and uh, either tell their stories and send it to me in an MP3 file or ask to do an interview so I can talk to them about their travels and adventures. Uh, This is Franz. I appreciate you listening. Please go to our website at www.traveltradeexchange.com. Either post your stories or send me an email to uh, conduct an interview if you have some interesting stories to tell.